It is Sunday, June 21st. Happy Father's Day, Melissa. This is <laughs> the popular vote with Melissa and James. Um, thank you. I, I have no super exciting plans today. I'm jumping on a Zoom call with my dad and all of my siblings. I am very eager to see if he can figure out how to use Zoom. Um, that will be the most exciting part of my day. But do you have any plans for today? Well, I was supposed to go up. My parents are building a house up in the way, way north, basically the exurbs of Indy. But, and they're like, have everyone come out there, but there's no running water. There's, I mean, and I love my parents. I want to be very clear, but it's supposed to thunderstorm here. And they're like, well, we'll just get in the shed. But it's also like 90 degrees. So I sent my dad a text. Yeah. He's a regular listener to the podcast. Happy, happy Father's Day. You're, you're, <laughs> you're somewhat responsible for this podcast and my hot <laughs> views. So without, without you, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the gift I'm going to give my dad for Father's Day is not arguing about politics for like a week. <laughs> and I can guarantee he's going to be like, this is the best Father's Day I've ever received from any of my six children. <laughs> <laughs> because he leans a little to the right, correct? You know, I don't think he's ever voted for a Democrat in his entire life. <laughs> my, I don't want to talk, you know, my, my father's not here. I, I believe I'm fairly confident that he generally is more um, center left. I don't think he's like far left, but I generally mm -hmm. find him to be very reasonable center left. But I, he's not, you know what? He's not here to defend himself. So I'm not, you know, <laughs> who knows? Maybe he won't like me talking about him. So here we are. <laughs> so let's dive right in without further ado. Um, so I know, what have you been watching this past week? Three, 365 days of summer. What is it? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So I, I watched 365 days, which is the number one trending movie on Netflix. Wow. It's been on that trending list for a while mm -hmm. and it's about, okay, uh, this movie is trash. It is awful. <laughs> okay. And not only have I seen it on the trending list on Netflix for a while, I've seen people posting about it on social media, like, oh, this is the hottest movie ever. You have to watch it. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very Fifty Shades of Grey-esque. But if you were to compare this movie to Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades of Grey is Oscar worthy. I cannot... <laughs> I cannot tell you what this movie is about. Like, there's this really hot mob boss who, like, kidnaps this woman, and she has 365 days to fall in love with him, and it it's just, like, a little problematic, but whatever, whatever. I'll overlook that. Um, I mean, it's a very steamy, very hot movie, many sex scenes that are very long, but it's, it's like the, the plot makes absolutely no sense. The ending makes absolutely no sense. There's literally no character development. I was watching it just thinking like, does somebody actually think this is a good movie? I, it, it was just, it was, it was really bad. If you want to watch it, it is, it's kind of entertaining, but it's not a good movie. And it, I'm shocked that so many people are like, oh, you have to watch this. It was so bad. So bad. Is it, is it English subtitled? It's, uh, yes. The movie's in Polish and English and another language, Italian, I think. Okay. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's in three different languages, essentially, wow. based on the characters. Um, I mean, the people in it are hot. The sex scenes are hot. But other than that, it yeah, is I was say, It looks really hot. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the, the, the movie poster. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, but what have you been watching? I watched season two of The Politician on Netflix, which season two has Ben Platt, who's great. Um, and then it also has Bette Midler and Judith Light. Mm -hmm. I love Judith Light. I love, I love Judith Light. You watch Transparent, right? Yes, yes. Ugh, I love Judith Light. Um, 
it's it's really fun. Judith Light plays like a uh, like the New York Senate Majority Leader running for re-election in a Democratic primary, and Ben Platt is this kind of young upstart politician who's more robot than anything else. This is season two, and so it's about his run for this state Senate seat primary. It's mindless. It has it has nothing to say about our current political climate. It's just it's just a fun escape from reality. It's only six or seven episodes, and I. I finished, I'm on episode six, so okay. I was I watched, able to kind of binge it. I watched the first half or maybe most of the first season mm-hmm. of that show, and I would describe it as just a very over the top. Like the oh, plot yeah. the plot was over the top. The characters were over the top. Gwyneth Paltrow Gwyneth, was over I, the top. I was just going to say, Gwyneth Paltrow basically plays herself. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, she's, yeah. She yeah. basically plays a wealthy white woman who would purchase everything from Goop, including like the jade vagina eggs and everything. I mean, am I right? Yeah. Yes, yes. So. Um, I didn't dislike the show. I just, I don't know. I st- I stopped watching it. So maybe I'll pick it back up because I do really want to see Judith Light. And I'm going to be honest, season. they are the stars of the show. It's all about <laughs> Judith Light and Bette Midler. Those are the only, like, like Ben Platt's great, but like it's for me. Like what kept me going was the story arc with Judith Light and uh, okay. Bette Midler, of course. Okay. Okay. So, jumping into um, now that we've you know talked about the shows we were watching, there's um, a fresh new book coming out, and I know you know about it, Melissa. I know about it. Let's talk about John Bolton's book. It's called The Room Where It Happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Where do I start with this? John Bolton is such a mean girl. He is Mm -hmm. such a mean girl. He like literally published a burn book. And I've heard two interpretations of this decision. And I'm eager to hear your thoughts on like what side you're on. Interpretation number one is, you know, he's just in it for the money grab. You know, he should have said all of this in um, the impeachment trials. He should have testified. He didn't. Instead, he saved it all for a book, published the book, and now he's making money off of it. And, you know, Adam Schiff said, this guy is an author, not a patriot. Pelosi was also like, excuse me, the time to share all of this was a while ago. So that's like one interpretation of it. The other interpretation of it is Bolton knew that regardless of whether or not he testified during the impeachment trial, it really was not going to change the votes of any of the GOP people. And that the he, he knew the writing on the wall was that uh, Trump was not going to get impeached, regardless of what was in that trial. So instead of saying that in the trial, he wrote a book about it, released it a little bit closer to the election to try and have some meaningful change in the election. I, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I guess I'm a little sympathetic towards Bolton because yeah, like the GOP and Susan Collins, like who knows if you were going to change their minds at the same time, like Bolton's like not a great person historically. So I can't, I can't make the jump to thinking his motives were in the best interest of the country. So I'm eager to hear your thoughts, kind of what you think about the whole thing. Well, I, I do have some thoughts, um, but I, I I can see those two schools of thought. I, I do want to confirm, I think the most salacious um, allegation in the book is that basically Trump tried to get um, Chinese President Xi Jinping to basically interfere in our upcoming election, correct? That's uh, Or asked, he asked for help. 
Yes. Um, I would also say this is my favorite thing that has leaked from the book and the articles that I've read um, was that Trump mocked King Jong-un for firing off missiles by calling him Little Rocket Man. (laughs) (laughs) My thoughts on this whole situation are, I, I agree. I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I don't think John Bolton is a team player. I don't think he has a lot of friends. I think he has very extreme views. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the hawk of all hawks in the George W. Bush administration. Yeah. The hawk. I mean, hawk, hawk, hawk. Um, makes George W. Bush, I think, look like a dove, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's very extreme. I. It's hard. I will say, I. and then there's the whole, I, I think about the whole, you know, was there classified information in this book? Because you know that, and and there was a federal court that recently that ruled, I think in the last like 48 hours, like, nope, it's good to go to public. Like it's good, it's already at the warehouses, just go mm-hmm. ahead and release it. He says he went through the channels, the White House says he didn't. What I find interesting is that the Department of Justice is bringing about these charges, not charges, but bringing about all of these arguments in federal court saying there's classified info, there's classified info in this book, you can't release it, which that's a concern. If that is true, that is, I do mm-hmm. think that's a concern. On the flip side, what I find so not surprisingly hypocritical because that's what this president does, but what I find so funny is that Trump was tweeting all day Thursday and Friday that this book was full of lies. And (laughs) so on one hand, you have the Justice Department saying, it's classified, it's classified. And then on the other hand, you have the president going, it's lies, it's not true, it's not true. Well, both of those things cannot be true. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can't because you can't have a classified book full of lies. I mean, that's not yeah. how that works. Yeah. Um, so I, that those are kind of my thoughts. As far as why he waited this long to do it, I think that at the end of the day, I think he's a self-centered person. Mm-hmm. But I also but I also don't think that he – I also just think – I think he knew that it wasn't going to make a difference, and I don't think he cared. Yeah. Yeah, I – yeah, I agree with that. I – I also, it feels weird to be making money off of this, you, you know, um, I don't like that. I, I think someone in Congress needs to pull a microvel and that <laughs> they they need to subpoena, someone in Congress needs to subpoena Bolton and a copy of his book and then read the entire book into the public record so anyone can read it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably on like the grounds of the government like printing office right yes. what mike Gravel did like on the grounds yes. of like, the government administration office like on the grounds in a public hearing at like 2 a.m on a saturday right yes 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 oh, um gosh. yeah so someone needs to do that i would love to read this book i the articles that i have read about it i mean i feel like they probably share the most you know salacious details mm-hmm. uh but it's fascinating to me so i would love to read it but i don't want to buy it Pro tip, I have a lot of books that I don't want to support, but I want to read. And you know what I do? I go to my local library and I put a hold on them. And then you wait, usually with like a new book, you have to wait like a month or two because usually I'm late to the party and requesting it. And then you get it and you can read the tea then. And then it's free. Okay, yeah. Little pro tip. You don't have to do it, but pro tip. (laughs) So my library card is from Crown Point Public Library. (laughs) Something tells me Crown Point Public Library will not be getting any copies of this book, but... You never know. We'll see. You know what? I will say this. Librarians, regardless of where they are, are generally Uh, left-leaning. Because they're about, like, especially, like, in the George W. Bush administration, they were fighting a lot of the Patriot Act. Like, they were requesting ACLU Mm -hmm. assistance to fight a lot of the Patriot Act, like, library record searches, which 
if you're going to like go to a library to find out how to like make a bomb, like I, I'm not a terrorist, so I don't know, but I'm just saying you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you have to yeah. walk down to your local library to find out how to get guns and knives and bombs. <laughs> I yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, it'll it'll be interesting and uh who knows? I mean Bolton might face criminal charges. I mean, I don't but I, I feel like at the same time he has this compelling argument to be like, well, it was all lies and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a moment, um, there was a press conference on Thursday or Friday with Kaylee McEnany, who's like the thinner, hotter version of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> but like all the same substance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a thinner, more attractive version. And uh, and she, she goes, uh, somebody from CNN goes, you know, why do you keep hiring all these morons, losers, wackos, and liars if, you know, who's hiring these people? Because that's what he had said about Bolton and he'd said about Mattis and about Tillerson and about everyone who's worked for him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> who keeps hiring these people? <laughs> I, I don't know who that reporter is, but I saw that clip too. That reporter is so salty. I, I need like a super cut video of like all of the like feisty questions he's asked in those press conferences because there have been many. I don't, I, we got to find out that guy's name and – I know yeah. he deserves, he deserves, once we found out his name, he deserves a legend of the week. Oh, absolutely. At the very least. He deserves <laughs> it. He's earned it. Um, so moving on from one kind of secretive book by John Bolton to another secretive blind gossip uh, discussion, you have been following this new Instagram blind gossip page. And for those of you who don't know, blind gossip is, correct me if I'm wrong, they read off like a list of like, person X is a famous actress. And then they like mm -hmm. fill a bunch of tea of them without saying their name. So it's like, but they'll have clues in there. So you can like, if you can connect the dots, you can connect the dots. You can play Detective LaToya. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of blind gossip sites out there, like Crazy Days and Nights is one of them. Laney Gossip is another. Mm -hmm. But the one that I started following recently is called Dumoy. I don't know how to speak French. Okay. It's it's <laughs> it's two French words I don't really know how to pronounce. Um, but the, and kind of this, I don't know who runs the account if it's what gender that person is, but um they encourage people to DM them on Instagram their personal stories about celebrities. And then they'll take a screenshot of the DM conversation and depending on you know, the contents of it, they'll either black out names or they'll just kind of share who the person is talking about. And I encourage everyone to follow this Instagram account because it is so immensely entertaining. It's a mix of just like funny, stupid stories. Lately, there have been so many stories about Larry David and Bill Murray, um, people sharing like their random encounters with them, which are just funny, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's also some really really juicy gossip about other celebrities. So, and again, this is this is gossip. Who knows if it's true or not? I'm allegedly. not saying it's true. It's an allegation. It's all allegedly. Um, but some of my favorite stories have been about Kanye West. And that Kanye West is, um, has had a long time romantic thing with um, Ricardo Tishi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name. person. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. And they're saying Kanye had a thing with him when he was at Givenchy. Um, and that's why during that era, 
the Kardashians, specifically Kim, wore so much Givenchy, especially to the Met Gala, et cetera, et cetera, which I thought was very, very interesting, whatever. But then the, the, the gossip that really blew my mind was, okay, not super surprised about Kanye, interesting, whatever. But then this account shared that Richard Gere is the OG Kanye. And that Richard Gere, for more than a decade, had a romantic relationship with uh, Giorgio Armani. And he actually got Julia Roberts her contract with Armani. Which and, and there's like all this supporting evidence and um, a lot of people chiming in about it. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Inter- I, and let me let me just say, none of this is my business. None of this is anybody's business. And it but, could be make-believe. It could be fan fiction. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, I don't know. I enjoy reading about it. Um, and then the last thing I want to share is about our girl, Britney Spears. <laughs> So, so many people have DM'd this account to be like, I stayed in a hotel, Brittany was on my floor, or I work in a hotel, Brittany was staying at the hotel. And every single person has confirmed that Brittany Spears loves to have sex either with all of the windows, like curtains open, lights <laughs> on, or people were like, I work in the hotel the like room service people were so uncomfortable because every time she called for room service, they would come in and like she was having sex in the bed, like with her boyfriend or with whoever. And she like just has a thing for like doing it out in the open and having an audience, which is like interesting. Um, I'm going to respond to that briefly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen pictures of her current boyfriend. I have not. No. Um, I don't blame her. And you know what? I don't blame her one bit. So you know what? You go, Brittany. Keep doing it. That's what I have to say to that. Her boyfriends are always really hot. Except, I mean, we're we're assuming. <laughs> okay, you boyfriends. You didn't say horror husbands. So. Yes, K Fed is not cute. Okay, but her boyfriends in the last ten years—they've all been really hot. I agree. Yeah, this one is Sam. I, I'm going to mispronounce it. Ascari or Ashkari. Sam. It's something like that. He's like very like muscly fit. I mean, he's like, he's fit. Now, did you ever watch um, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic on UPN? Of, of course I did. That was on UPN, right? Um, I I don't know, probably. It was either probably. on WB or UPN and I want it to be on UPN. Oh, I miss UPN. <laughs> I do too. I think America's Next Top Model. Uh-huh. And all the other just great shows and programming, UPN did UPN did because they merged with WB to make the CW, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I'm you know what? I'm so glad you know. Insert this should be this should be on the Instagram teaser page. Us reminiscing about UPN. <laughs> this deserves to be in the teaser, Melissa, <laughs> with a nice like UPN logo from back in the day. I I clearly remember that logo. UPN. Was- we had the Chicago affiliate, which was UPN Power Fifty. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, that's the, the power 50 was because I think it was like channel 50. If you had like poor, if you had like the poor people's cable package, like you had to go to channel 50 to get it, <laughs> which we did have in my family. Uh, I, yeah, UPN was a great, great network for sure. So definitely follow this blind uh, item page on Instagram. It's fantastic. Can you on Instagram, can you link it to? Uh, yes. Okay, perfect. 
because yes. I, I definitely want to follow up. <clears throat> and if anybody has any salacious gossip about celebrities, please send it to this account, but like also send it to the popular vote, please. Yeah, we like, would like to talk about it. <laughs> like we're not going to become a blind gossip podcast, but we'll create a segment for it if we have enough content. Why not, right? Um, you know, from one salacious topic to another, I want to briefly touch on the... So as most of you know, Melissa lives in Chicago, Illinois. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Indiana is almost the complete inverse of Illinois in the sense that Illinois generally only elects our Democrats. Mm -hmm. and Indiana generally only elects Republicans. <clears throat> so we've had a Republican governor since I think 2004. We had, you know, we've, we've only basically in the last 10 years statewide, we've elected a Democrat twice and they were both in 2012. It was mm -hmm. the state superintendent of education and the uh, we elected a U.S. senator. We had a senator for one term who was a Democrat. So we our track record is not great. Kind of the inverse of the you know Illinois Republican Party. You know, or the yeah. you know just what y'all know what I mean. But point being is there is a salacious race this year for Indiana Attorney General, and I was a state convention delegate, and so in. I was a state Democratic Party convention delegate. This past weekend, I voted for who the Democrats nominee for attorney general was. And there was two candidates. One was a former mayor from Southern Indiana, Jonathan Weinzaffel. And the other one was a um, Northern Indiana from Ogden Dunes, state senator, Karen Talian. She's very liberal, pro-choice, ACLU, firebrand liberal. The Southern candidates are more moderate. I voted for the more moderate candidate, but I think both would have been fine to be quite honest. We never win anyways, so we probably won't win, but we have a shot this year. The Democrats have a shot this year because the incumbent attorney general, Curtis Hill, was he had his law license suspended for 30 days by the Indiana Supreme Court because like two or three years ago, he went to a after party a lobbyist after party, because usually like after session ends, I don't know if this was after the last day of session or because it, it was either the last day of session for the year or of the assembly. So the you know Senate and the House here in Indianapolis, they finished sitting. And anyways, he went to this party and allegedly, and I say allegedly, but I don't really have to, and I'll explain why in a moment, allegedly like inappropriately touched like two or three staffers, Democrats and Republicans, and touched inappropriately a state representative from Munster. And here's the thing. He like, he was very combative about it, did like the kind of like Trump response to it for basically two years, tried to kind of, kind of go after their character. It was just like very distasteful. And the prosecutor, no one brought charges, but again, the governor, the Republican governor, every single statewide Republican office holder was like, yeah, Curtis Hill should resign. Curtis Hill should resign. But our state Republican legislature was like, mm, we're not going to, we're not going to impeach him. We're not going to remove him, but he should step down, but we're not going to do anything about it. But like the governor, like everyone was like, please step down. Well, he is being renominated. Well, it's not official yet. Their convention hasn't occurred yet, but there's like three or four challengers. Here's the thing. Inside Indianapolis, Republic I haven't met a single Republican that likes him. But apparently from what I hear from my Republican friends is that like outside of the Indianapolis, like quote unquote liberal bubble, that he is like this beloved icon for like not giving a fuck and just like, <laughs> doing whatever he wants. He's very conservative, you know has sat on like the president's like task forces, wants to like criminalize weed, like he's nuts. So anyway, so they're probably gonna renominate him, but if they renominate him, like the Democrats actually have a decent shot at winning because mm -hmm. he's such like, here's the thing, Democrats don't win races in Indiana, Republicans lose them. And so this is definitely an opportunity for the Democratic Party here. 
<laughs> yeah. So your hope is that he basically he does get nominated Absolutely. because okay okay, <laughs> <Absolutely>. okay. <laughs> it's kind of that like reverse psychology um who is claire mccaskill yes like uh, uh, uh taking a page out of claire mccaskill's book mm -hmm. to promote awful people because you know the end goal is really to get a Democrat nominated. Absolutely. And what's crazy is, is that there's, so there's only like 1800 voters who get to decide the nominee because there's about 1800 Republican state convention delegates. So they're all mm -hmm. voting. It's a convention fight. So you don't really know. I mean, it depends who is, who is in that pool of delegates and how mm -hmm. crazy are they, but he is like beloved among like the tea party diehards. Anyways, I just think it's an interesting story. You can read up on it, but he did ultimately the Supreme court, um, with, like suspended his law license for 30 days because someone brought an ethics complaint against him for doing this. And the state Supreme Court basically said like, look, we think you committed this battery. There's credit, like we find this to be credible. So we're gonna take away your law license for 30 days. You will get it back. Um, you will get it back automatically. Like you don't have to apply to get it back, but you're suspended for 30 days. So for 30 days, he's not the AG, but I guess the way that the law works is he'll just automatically like, I think right now he's maybe still on suspension. He's either still on suspension or got his license back. Anyways, it's a hot mess. That's, and, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane. And people don't know about it. Like, like it's like, it's been in the news and everything, but like occasionally like people who, because it's not like it's a sexy office, you know what I mean? It's not like the okay. governor, you know? And it's, I don't know. So it's, I guess people don't think about it, but it is pretty crazy. Like he literally, like the Supreme Court was like, yeah, this is credible. We're going to go ahead and suspend your license, but you're still the state's like top attorney. Yeah. Well, okay, that's one similarity between Illinois and Indiana and in that, you know, we like to turn a blind eye to corruption and just awful <laughs> behavior by some of our politicians. <laughs> oh. Well, so, so we've talked about all the differences between the two states and now we, we found common ground. We absolutely have found common ground. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll go ahead and wrap up with our losers and legends of the week. And I, do you want to start with losers or legends, Melissa? Let's start with losers. And I want to hear your loser first. Yes. My loser of the week are the six Trump staffers that went to Tulsa right before the rally. So last night was Trump's triumphant rally, which was anything but triumphant. It was a super spreader event that, you know, only filled up the, the, the bank of, what is it? Bank of Oklahoma center in mm -hmm. Tulsa. But you know, it was like two thirds full. I mean, yeah. it was, it was, there was like no one there. It looked empty. And um, the six staffers that were advanced staffers to go and like get everything set up, like six of them like popped positive for COVID. <gasps> oh no. Six of them. And it got leaked to the press right before the rally. And apparently Trump was furious about it. So wait, they tested positive before they went or no, after they went, they went and then they tested positive. So they probably were asymptomatic, got there, started getting symptoms, got tested and were like, fuck. Oh no. And it got leaked like the day of the rally, it got leaked and Trump was furious. Oh my gosh. I mean, oh I don't gosh. wish them any ill. I mean, I don't know anything about them. Who knows? I mean, I don't want them to like die or anything, but I do think it's funny that like they literally went to go set up a rally against all public health guidelines. Mm -hmm. like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. That I haven't, um, I haven't tuned in to coverage of that rally other than it being not very full at all. It was not, look at the pictures. It's not full at all. <laughs> and I did see last night some news coverage of like protests going on outside mm -hmm. of the, the stadium arena, wherever it was. Um, but I'm eager, I'm kind of eager to read a little bit more about what he talked about, like what happened at that rally and why did people go? 
I watched um, snippets. It was insane. They interviewed, of course, they interviewed Trump supporters outside and it lived up to all of its expectations. One person was like, yeah, I had a really good friend die and his son got really sick, but I'm still here because like both sides play it up and I just, I don't know. So like I'm here and I was like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you had oh someone God. die of COVID that was your best friend. And you're <laughs> going to go to a, uh, uh, an indoor public arena, not wear a mask most likely and or be around people not wearing a mask in very close quarters. Okay. Uh, oh my gosh. That is, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So I saw that. Yeah, go ahead. I saw that he was going to do another rally, but that was canceled. Like another rally in Tulsa. Yeah, well, going to be two. Out, he was going to do like an outside overflow event because they were um, there were supposed to be like a million people who'd requested tickets. Which I'll get to. That's part of my legend of the week. Oh, <laughs> I haven't given it away already, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to share my loser of the week, and that is Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> she's had a bad Melissa. She's having a bad week. <laughs> so Amy Klobuchar uh, withdrew uh, from VP consideration, uh, which is, you know, fine, whatever, whatever. But okay, here's my perception of Amy Klobuchar. I feel like she is so incredibly petty and she takes things incredibly personally. I loved her performance in the debates with Pete Buttigieg mm -hmm. because you could just tell that whatever was going on between the two of them, it was 100% personal. Um, and I, I, you know, I read stories about her, whether it's a eating salad with a hair comb, whatever. She just seems like kind of a crazy, bitter person. And if she's not going to win, then no one's going to win. So as she withdrew from VP consideration, she also released a statement that said, uh, that Biden should pick a woman of color, which I feel like was her way of going after Elizabeth Warren to be like, you did not treat me very well in the debates. I don't like you. So I'm going to release this statement to rally support for other candidates just to like triple ensure you do not get the nomination. And I know that's a huge reach and is pure speculation, but like why else would she kind of make that comment if she didn't want to hinder the uh, success of other candidates. Like, I don't feel like this is a good faith effort to be like, we need to wake up here and realize that not only do we need women in leadership, we need people of color. Mm -hmm. I, I don't trust that she is that morally. <laughs> I don't trust that she's that like morally, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I morally think she's pure, morally. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. And I would not be shocked by that. Um, <laughs> I heard the statement too. She was interviewed, like she was interviewed by someone and someone said, when you say woman of color, do you mean like, does it need to be a black woman? You know, they, or Hispanic, you know? And yeah. literally she said something, she's like, she's like, I'm not going to get into details about my conversations with vice president Joe Biden. Like, and she just shut it down. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Yikes. Uh, my <clears throat> legend of the week are the, um, Generation Z, TikTok, and K-pop fans that basically went after Trump with a vengeance. <laughs> and apparently, some of it goes back to during the State of the Union address, Ivanka Trump posted a picture on Instagram and did hashtag BTS for behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But we also know there's a highly popular K-pop band called BTS that has like a cult-like following in America, like cult-like. And I, and I don't mean that. I mean, I'm, they seem very talented in the tradition of K-pop. I, I, I am not trying to bring on the wrath of K-pop fans. 
I have watched many of those music videos and like their live performances. They're very good entertainers. Mm -hmm. So respect. We're fans. It's like, if you come after BTS, you might as well be like coming after the beehive too. <laughs> like you're going to get whatever you deserve. Well, be, I, some people think that because Ivanka posted that, and then there was some other stuff too, because BTS fans thought that she was basically like trying to get BTS fans to come mm -hmm. to her page. There's some like social media term for it, but I couldn't think of it but anyways they basically requested like all these tickets even though none of these people were going to this event none of them were and it turns out only like the the venue had capacity for nineteen thousand, and i heard that like not even twelve thousand people showed up so originally there was going to be this overflow rally outside before or after the event with trump speaking for like 20 30 minutes but they didn't even have that because there was no one outside except for protesters yeah yeah so all of those gen z k-pop TikTok fans I, yeah, I, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of TikTok and I've spent a lot of time on TikTok in the last, well, months, honestly. Um, and I, I am loving what I'm seeing. And I think that it's interesting because I think that TikTok somehow learns the videos that you like to watch. And then it kind of puts you in this, in this, um, in this category or like shows you more of them. And I feel like I'm definitely in like Gen Z, just like being Gen Z TikTok, where I see a lot of posts about like, oh, let's um, like, let's reserve tickets to the Trump rally. This morning, this morning I saw the the text on the screen was like, uh, like, damn, Jim, Gen Z is really savage. And it was this girl who parked on a street, like rolled down all of her windows, was blaring the song Fuck the Police by YG, which is a new song. It's very good. Uh, where the chorus is literally those three words repeated many times. And the camera is showing this girl just like outside of her car, blaring this music and then pans over. And there's like six squad cars and like 12 police just standing there like, we don't know what to do. But I just, I just love how savage Gen Z is. I absolutely love it. The stuff they're doing to Trump, the way that they're um, kind of involving themselves in the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, it's pretty savage, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. Honestly, they were coming after millennials this past week too. Did you hear about that? No. What, what, what they, issue there was did they take up about how there was something? I was listening to the NPR politics podcast, and they always do what I can't let go of at the end of their Friday episode, where they talk about the one thing they've been obsessed with all week. Kind of like how we talk about losers and legends and they were talking about how one of the things they got trending was it was something about it was some like about how like some hashtag that was basically like gen z is better than millennials and one of them was we're not the generation that thinks that um that uh harry potter is uh, a personality test or, or that measures ourselves by harry potter personality tests and i was like that is really they are coming for us <laughs> and that is so true the place i used to work Whenever we had a new like new person join the company, mm -hmm. and if they sat kind of near where we sat, we would literally make them take a BuzzFeed quiz about like what Harry Potter character they were, and then we had a spreadsheet that tracked everybody's results. What were so you? So I was um oh I was someone like kind of evil. I don't I'm not into Harry Potter. It was like a female character. She was maybe like blonde. Okay, that's awesome. Um, kind of evil and um yeah i don't disagree with the person that i got honestly but i was like do i want this in a spreadsheet for everyone to know like when a new employee joins they're like oh 
I don't even need to talk to Melissa under, to understand that she's. <laughs> I know where she's coming <laughs> from. <laughs> wow, I I feel attacked by that, um, but okay, it's it's accurate. It's accurate. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so my well, I I have a um, yes, yeah, yeah, legend. My legend of the week. My legend of the week is Aunt Jemima. And let me be clear. Let me be clear. Um, Quaker owns the Aunt Jemima brand, and they have been losers for many decades. But this week, I do think that I'm going to say they're a legend. They finally decided to um, retire the Aunt Jemima brand, and they released a statement. And I thought the, the way they talked about it, I thought was very... Uh, very, very educated, honestly, in that they they fully acknowledged how uh, kind of racist that that stereotype is, and that they really needed to retire it and just fully do away with it. And they, in the statement, they kind of talked about the history, like why why it was problematic, and, and good on them for doing it. Should they have done it? Many, 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 many years ago, absolutely. This is like this is not the first time people have called out that brand for being racist. Um, but you know, my my opinion in the last couple of weeks is, if we can all agree that racism is so systemic and so deeply ingrained in our everyday lives, uh, I think we also need to acknowledge that, um, you know, it's going to take some. A little bit of time to really uh, make changes and those changes will come and the best way to ensure those changes come is to like have a little bit of grace with people or companies that are ultimately trying to do the right thing right now right like I totally agree this should have happened a long time ago I don't necessarily think we should hate on the brand for waiting until now because from my perspective it's like they did it they released a statement that seemed to be very genuine, and I, I, I think they should be. I think we should be happy about it rather than tearing them down for not doing it sooner. Valid, but like, if we want to keep encourage, encouraging this change to happen, I think we need to. I think we need to kind of have a positive perspective about these changes happening. Anyway, so good on them for doing it. They should have done it sooner, totally. But the best part about this are the Facebook comments on news articles about this change. <laughs> when I first heard that they were going to change the name, I was like, I don't I don't care about the brand statement. I don't care about the article. I want to hear what people are saying on Facebook. And people were pissed. People were so upset. They were devastated. They were like, oh, oh, even Andrew, like, what's next? Uncle Ben's? Like what's well, like? Well, that would be correct, but go ahead yeah, and continue. <laughs> this is Butter Buttersworth. Like, what's next? They're like, you know, this was never like no one ever thought this was racist until now. Like, why, you know, like why, why are these snowflakes so concerned about this, you know, this portrayal? And it's like, I'm sorry, you're calling someone a snowflake for wanting this very racist stereotype to be retired. Um, I, if anyone's a snowflake, it's you for being concerned about your maple syrup brand, which first of all, Aunt Jemima kind of sucks as maple syrup. Like it is not good. Um, but my favorite Facebook comment was people were like, oh my gosh, like, I, I don't get why this is a big deal. This is such a slippery slope. Like why? And then somebody commented and they were like, <laughs> they were like, how are we going to remember the sil the maple syrup civil war if we tear down all the monuments like 
And Jemima's a monument. And people were actually agreeing with this guy, even though he was clearly joking. Right. Um, But, you know, I'm going to say Aunt Jemima's a legend because good on that brand for retiring, but also good on that brand for eliciting such strong emotions from people that people are just completely outing themselves on Facebook for being racist and and also having really bad taste in maple syrup. (laughs) Yeah. I, there's nothing I can add to that. I think you, you, that, that Aunt Jemima, you are a legend. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. All right. Well, it's, it's been a wonderful one and it looks like you're going to make your zoom call with your, uh, your family, Melissa. So we've, we've made it in record time. Yeah. I can guarantee my dad's going to take at least five minutes to figure out zoom. So I've got plenty of time to jump on. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much all for listening. Goodbye. Bye.